Ben, if I wanted to hear a podcast between you and Justin Koo talking about life, love, and other mysteries, where would I go to find this podcast? You would definitely go first to the internet. If you don't know how to use the internet, you'd open your web browser, Google Chrome, uh-huh. Mozilla Google Firefox, Chrome? something of that sort. Safari? And then you would go to Justin Koo's Instagram, which is at jkoo. And then there's a link... <laughs> I don't know, I think. That's probably the worst way to find the podcast, I would imagine. Like, you could do that on your phone, Oh, right? Yeah. These people are never going to find the podcast, and that's cool because that means you probably won't get canceled because no one's going to listen. <laughs> it's crazy is that th- all three of us do podcasts and we can't figure out what to say. Well, hey guys, this has been very helpful. I'm excited <laughs> to, to, to listen to the Dusty Boys podcast. Count me in. Welcome back to The Move, where I've been through the book 10 minutes at a time. I'm your host, Justin Koo, and in today's episode, we're talking about that one story in the Bible that seems, at least on first read, to get the gospel backwards. If you're wondering what we're looking at, Genesis chapter 50, verses 14 to 26. My guest today, in our last episode of this season, is none other than Pastor Jonathan Leonardo. Justin, do you think that in this episode, we can actually keep it to 10 minutes? You know, they say that God is able to do all things. <laughs> Even the impossible. <laughs> That's how we use that verse sometimes, though, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like anything that we want to see happen for us that is highly improbable and probably bad for us. Well, you know, God's the God of the impossible. You you, you quoted this at, at church in Kailua a couple of weeks ago, Philippians chapter 4. Perhaps the most misquoted Bible verse of all time, I can do all things through Christ would strengthen me. Which oh, yeah, like yeah, for yeah. me was like the kind of thing that I would put on my shirt when I'm yeah. going to the gym. Try to set a new yeah. PR on yeah, my yeah. squad or my deadlift or whatever. Yeah, my favorite, my favorite remix of that verse is like, I can do all things in Christ through a misquoted verse. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what we're saying when, when we quote that verse in that way, as though it's somehow a uh, superpower juice, to, you know, like a, a power up like Super Mario yeah. that we can now I always like to whatever. use the uh, analogies. Like, I am not going to be an astronaut tomorrow. <laughs> no. Like, it's not happening. Very unlikely. Right? Who knows? If you ever saw Armageddon, there were some like farmers who became astronauts yeah. like overnight. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I can't actually do that through Christ <laughs> who strengthens me. Like, I'm not, like, I'm not studying whatever it takes to be an astronaut tonight and then tomorrow I'm jumping on a spaceship because Elon's going to let me. Right? He'd be the first pilot to Mars. Right. Would you do that if you had the opportunity to do that? Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> you know somebody on here is going to be like, well, you could if there was a space travel for citizens, right? You could just get on a ship and you'd technically be an astronaut. Yeah, but not tomorrow. No. Uh-huh. I got him. No, yeah, that idea of... Um, we can do anything through Christ. Paul's actually talking about I can endure anything and everything, yeah. right? Not I can just do anything, right? I don't think I, I I'm going to go ahead and safely assume that Paul probably couldn't dunk on a 10 foot rim, right? <laughs> and it wouldn't happen for him. He clearly couldn't fix his eyesight or grow hair. Right. So there you go. Right. We talked about that first season, how he was I like a short, crooked nosed, bald man with bow legs or something. <laughs> yeah, right? That's right. yeah. Paul, Paul can endure through Christ who strengthens. Yeah. He can endure anything. That's why when he's told in prophecy that the person who owns this belt is going to die, right? I think it's Agabus, maybe. Was it Agabus? I or, don't remember that no, story. Agabus, isn't Agabus, uh, he prophesied the famine. Anyway, uh-huh. where Paul's going to Jerusalem and it's like, yo, you're going to die. He's like, hey, y'all, I'm going to Jerusalem anyway. Like, I'm going to Rome, right? Mm. I'm going to Jerusalem anyway, right? He's willing to go. He's willing to go, even though he knows he's going to die, right? He's going to endure anything, right? It's not like, I'm going to make it to the NBA. (laughs) (laughs) 
these intros get uh, get out of hand. This is why we can't get this ten minutes in. Get 10 minutes. But it's one of those pet ones where it completely rips the gospel of what it's actually about. Where yeah. the gospel is about making my life better because I can do anything through Christ. I'm going to be the greatest shooter of all time. I'm going to be no. You're not going to be no, Steph Curry. Nope. Right. But I, you can endure, right? Yeah. I go, well, I'm just suffering this thing. Yeah, suffering sucks. It really does. But that's how we learn obedience, through suffering. And you mm. can endure through mm. Christ who strengthens you because the peace that surpasses all understanding in Christ Jesus will actually guard your heart, Philippians 4, uh, 6 and 7, which actually yeah. precedes the that most misquoted verse. So it's about actually putting our trust in Christ, finding life in Christ so that we can endure in Christ, right? Mm -hmm. And this is a lesson that you and I are continually learning more and more that we can actually trust Christ in and in everything, yeah. right? Yeah. So anyway, so, so, we're so, not getting the 10 no, minutes. We're, so, so talking about not getting 10 minutes, talking about Bible verses or gospel that's distorted, this is one of those where it feels like it's a distortion of a distortion because the popular <laughs> understanding of gospel, right, is that God's real pissed off yeah. and he's going to beat you up, but Jesus comes in and placates the father's anger. Yeah, so God is angry at you and because God's angry at you, Jesus steps in the way. It's like, no, father, we love them. And God's like, that's right. I love them, but I'm still angry. So what are we going to do? And Jesus is like, I will be the whipping boy on the cross. You can pour out your wrath on me so that then they can get a, a, a buy on a technicality. Right. And God's like, that's a great idea. Let me get <laughs> all of my, yeah, I got this bucket full of anger. I'm just going to pour it out on you and then everybody's going to be fine. And it's like, what? It's so weird because there's maybe even like this omniscience that God is uh, temporarily uh, putting aside because like, oh, yeah, oh, I thought it was jonathan turns out it was jesus but was i guess jesus, that'll pass right and then we understand that jonathan hasn't really been changed he's still a pile of dung but jesus covers him like a sheet of snow yeah it's like nah. so so to be clear that is what we would stand by as a distortion of the gospel I and yet so. this story is a distortion of that version of the gospel in that it's just backwards right because here we have uh joseph and his father and we're in passes Genesis 50, yeah. Sorry, yes, Genesis chapter 50. Now we're getting back to the text. What is this? How many minutes in? It's five minutes in. This is why we don't have 10-minute episodes. This is why we can't have nice things. Is because we go on tangents. Um, but Jacob just passes away. And now the brothers with Joseph are having a kind of a, a little bit of a confrontation. The brothers are afraid. And they say, oh, shoot, now Joseph is going to repay us anger. He's going to get us back for all the bad things that we did. But they say, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. To placate the son, the chosen intercessor, or the, the, the chosen one, right? Uh, they say, before your father died, he instructed us to tell you, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong that they did to you for their sin in treating you so cruelly. So we servants of the God of your father, we beg you to forgive our sins. So they're, they're basically saying, hey, daddy said, and so therefore you can't beat me up. Yeah. So Jacob was the one that had a heart towards his brothers. Right. I mean, sorry, Jacob is the one who has a heart towards his children. Yes. Joseph, Joseph does not. is the one who's been wronged mm -hmm. by them. Mm -hmm. And the moment that Jacob dies, these brothers believe that Joseph will reveal what he's been harboring his, in his heart the whole time, which is a wrath against them, and he will destroy them. And they are fearful that their brother's wrath will manifest. So they're appealing to their father's love for them as a way to navigate 
their brother's wrath and hopefully appease their brother or restrain their brother so that their brother's wrath doesn't fall on them. Sound familiar? Sounds familiar. If you just change the name father and son, it's it's basically what a lot of people carry around today. And it's a heavy burden to carry. It just is a to heavy always burden. feel like God's waiting to strike you down. But if it wasn't for Jesus standing in the way, like you were screwed. Yeah, absolutely. Um and yet the way that Joseph actually speaks to them, Genesis 50, verse 21, is he speaks to their hearts. Yeah, the- He speaks to their hearts from this deep compassion. And he tells them, don't fear. Mm. I, don't fear. You misunderstood me the entire time. Yeah. And I think that this is really where the gospel, the actual gospel comes in. It's like, no, no, no. You, which, whichever paradigm you're operating under, the Joseph Jacob paradigm or the God, the Father, Jesus Christ paradigm, mm-hmm. the, the message is still the same. You've misunderstood them. Mm-hmm. Like you've misunderstood the very heart of who God is. Mm-hmm. It, he's not angry. He's not pissed off at you, mm-hmm. the person, because he views you as irreplaceable. You are his child. Mm-hmm. He's certainly not angry at you person he's Mm -hmm. angry at the he has a response and a reaction to the condition of humanity that's enslaved to sin Mm. right and he does have a response against wickedness sure right the the the, the phrase that people always use is god doesn't hate the sinner but he hates the sin and like I think those general sentiments are true, but I think the implication I often walked away with that is that when I did a bad thing, God hated me doing that thing. And so it was more tunnel visioned on what I was still doing. And even though he didn't hate me, he hated what I was doing. There still was some rub off. Like the, the, the distance between me and my actions were, were, it wasn't so, like there wasn't large enough distance so that I still felt condemned when I did the wrong thing. Yeah, and I think here there is an idolatry huh. of fashioning God in our own image. Okay. Right? And here's the perversion I'm going to speak to is that somebody's listening to us talk right now and they're saying, well, how can you speak about God that way? You guys probably don't have a deep enough appreciation for sin in the mm. way that God does so that we don't get angry at sin in the way that a holy, absolutely perfect mm. God would. Right. So yes, he has anger yeah. because he has such great intensity of love that he would be absolutely angry at sin in a way that we as humans could never ever be angry at so how dare you say Hmm. that god is not angry in this way yeah and then they'll quote all all those verses where you know god's righteous indignation his wrath his fill in the blank like there's i mean even even in the story of jesus we were talking about this on an earlier episode like uh jesus drinks the wine of the wrath of god yeah yeah but he treads the wine press alone Hmm. Wink, wink. Huh. Yeah, we talked about that earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not, the father doesn't play a role in that. Huh. Jesus treads the wine press. Interesting. Alone. So that the suffering, the wine that he's drinking, it's not as though God's like, hey, drink this, drink this, drink this, yeah, drink this. He, he, he treads the wine press alone. And what does that mean? Huh. He goes through the valley of the shadow of death alone. He endures huh. death alone. He enters it alone because death is the wages of sin. It is not the punishment of God. Hmm. Death is the wages of sin. It's not the punishment of God. God doesn't arbitrarily punish people with death if they don't comply with him. Sin introduces death because the wages of sin is death. Yeah. But let me go back to this perversion. Okay, 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 go ahead. Here's where we make it an idolatry because we can understand an intensity of anger. Yeah. Right? That's easy to relate to. That's easy to relate to. And so we just magnify that to some sort of God level. But let me challenge you. Do you relate 
with a love so intense that even though you are the self-existent being, you are willing to enter nothingness hmm. for the sake of another. Yeah. Do you relate with that being? And I would say to you, Justin, that you actually can relate to that feeling. Hmm. You know why? Hmm. Because you're a father. Yeah. And yeah. so that there is an actual relationship. So then being that there is an actual relationship or, or somewhere you can relate where your love would compel you to actually endure harm yourself for the sake of Mateo, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You then answer this question. You ready? Okay. When Mateo sins greatly, are you angry at him and his person? Hmm. You know, uh, this morning, uh, Mateo's had a, a hard last, let's call it 24 hours. Uh, we spent a good day at, up in the North Shore, which we invited you and Tyler and Morgan and Tiffany. None of us won it. And it was, it, it, you were correct in that it did feel like a Bible parable. And I was like, dude, I'm going to just go find some, some random people on the byways and highways, invite them to our little shindig. Uh, but we ended up there, and I think he might have gotten maybe a little bit of sunburnt, a little bit. You know, he's a little bit fairer complexion than than myself, and certainly yourself. Uh, so he woke up this morning with a little bit of a fever. Uh, he seems to have like a little bit of a, a little bit of a rash. He might have got from the neighbor kid who we found out <laughs> a little late that she had a rash or so. so uh, that's a little suffering. And then and then he's playing by the little IKEA kitchenette set uh -huh. that we have for him. And we got him a what's it called uh, a little like a child's microwave mm -hmm. where he can push the buttons and he has fun with that. For the last couple of days, he's been dropping it on the floor. Mm -hmm. And every time he drops it, I, the father and me kind of like, because I see how close it is to his little tiny toes. Mm -hmm. And I keep telling him, he doesn't listen, but I keep telling him, kid, like you keep doing that. You're going to drop it on your toes one of these days. It's going to hurt. And this morning with all these things compounding one after the other, after the other, after the other, Sure enough, he drops the uh, microwave and immediately he like reaches down, grabs his toes because he dropped it on his oh, tiny little toes. Oh, 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 he's little crying. Yeah. He messed up. Yeah, he did yeah. something that maybe he shouldn't have. Yeah. And even though I repeatedly warned him, he uh -huh. maybe he didn't understand the gravity of what I was trying to tell him. Uh -huh. I'll, I'll tell you the truth. Anger was not my primary emotion at that time. In fact, it wasn't even anywhere close to yeah. what I was experiencing at the time. Pick him up, grab him, hug him, give him a little kiss, uh -huh. expose myself to his little stupid rash that he's got. Uh -huh. And just say, hey, it's okay. I'm uh -huh. here for you. So this is what's telling is that the intensity, I would rather prioritize the chief, if you want to call it attribute or facet, however you want to frame it theologically. But God tells us what he is in his mm. person. He is love. Yeah. And if we use the description of 1 Corinthians 13, and then if we use Jesus Christ as our example, where if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. How do we then derive hmm. that God's main attribute towards humanity is this anger hmm. that needs to be satisfied or massaged? Like, I can't get there, hmm. right? And hmm. I think this is what you see in Genesis 50 as a, as a picture and as an image of where we're actually going, God's heart is not one whose first and chief attribute towards us is anger. Right, 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 right. Joseph is a clear representation of God's heart towards us mm -hmm. in the person of Jesus. Yeah. Like, yo, what you meant for evil, what actually happened in evil, 
I, we intended for good, for I, your benefit because of love. I, I couldn't help but hear the song. You you probably heard the song every time now you read this, but you take what the enemy meant for evil and you yeah, turn it you for turn good. you turn it for good. But what I think is interesting is that the, the, the song says you take what the enemy meant for evil. But what Joseph says is God takes what you yeah. meant for evil. Yeah. So it's even stronger mm. language that, that we're captive to an enemy. True, right? Mm -hmm. Like sin is this thing that domineers and, and enslaves us. True. But it's not as though that like God is just taking what the enemy uses for evil. Uh -huh. He's like, no, no, no. When you, Justin, are rebellious and angry and you do all the things, you act out of turn and you're actively going against the plan or whatever the thing is, right? Uh -huh. But like you, the person, you mean things for evil and I'm still turning it for good. Like that's uh -huh. how, how resolute God is in his uh -huh. steadfastness towards manifesting good for his children. Yeah. So... You know, this, this is such a nuanced theological, maybe not so nuanced, but it is a complicated and long history because what we're talking about is atonement theories and how we actually have peace with God. Is it because there was some substitutionary penal atonement and, and read penal, read wrath and anger, and then you get into different atonement theories, right? I, I absolutely believe in substitutionary atonement. I, I think that the Bible talks about substitutionary vicarious atonement. Hmm. If you want to get deeper on that, read an excellent book by Daniel Snyder, Darren Snyder Belusic, Atonement, Justice, and Peace. Uh, it's a fatty, but it's worthwhile. But that there is a substitutionary atonement that takes place on our behalf and that God has a response in wrath, right? But his wrath uh, Romans chapter one is to give people over to their delusion, mm -hmm. right? He gives them over to the captivity of sin and in giving them over, they actually earn the wages of sin because the wages of sin is death. Like God doesn't have to put it on people, mm -hmm. right? Is there an executive judgment at the end of time, uh, seemingly scripturally that then there is fire and a finality to things? Absolutely. Yeah. But it's not first and foremost motivated by anger. It's not motivated when you read wrath, right? It's not some sort of deep, passionate anger at a person, right? It's a deep, passionate love that actually has a response against sin. And the way that God responds to sin is by experiencing death himself for our sake. Like, mm. Think about this, y'all. Let me just get back. Think about this, okay? Just, I'm making an appeal to you. I'm looking at the camera, making an appeal to you. God does not use Jesus as a whipping boy to get us into heaven via a legal technicality. Jesus did not die so that we could live. Jesus did not die so that then a legal technicality on the law could be satisfied and then we could have life, all right? Watch, Jesus died so that we could die and he was resurrected so that we could be resurrected. Jesus died the death that belonged and is proper to all of humanity. He tasted death for everyone. And through his death, you and I too can die because that's the kindness of God that through Jesus, he opened up a new and living way because in the person of Jesus, because Jesus is also God, right? He overcame death through an indestructible life. 
Like he has life that's unborrowed, underived, completely original. So in the same way that Joseph went into the depths of death, into a literal hole, a tomb, came out the other side, a slave, went into the death of Egypt and came out the other side in resurrection. That is an image of what Jesus has done. He's gone into death and we follow Jesus into death. That's what baptism is. We die with him so that then when we come out of the waters, we're resurrected with him. We die with him and we resurrect with him, right? God did not pour out anger on Jesus to satisfy some legal requirements so that you and I can avoid death. No, everybody dies. It's whether or not you die in Christ because of God's great love or you die apart from Christ because of your hard-hearted unbelief in God's great love. Is that all right? You're seeing me swing over here if you're watching this on video because my computer died on the other side. But the recording is finished, so I think that this is really good. <laughs> this is just part of the technical challenges of running the move with Jonathan every once in a while. This is our last episode. Uh, I've been asking all the other guests to give their parting piece and everything else that they want to say, but I feel like what, that, that, that must have been it. That was it. <laughs> And anything else you want to say for this season? These are the last words that they will hear for this episode. I want y'all to remember the most important and deepest theological truth I have ever learned in my life. You ready? Jesus loves us. This we know for the Bible tells us so. Live like it. <laughs>